0: Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans.
1: And I'm Virginia Allen. Monday is Memorial Day. We hope that you all have plans to maybe have a barbecue in the backyard with family or friends. Or, hey, if you have a lake nearby, spend a little time relaxing. But whatever your plans are, we hope that you also take a few minutes to think and pray for the families of those who have lost loved ones serving our country.
0: Yeah, it is you know, normally such a fun weekend up here, pools open, uh, barbecues, even though the weather in D.C. does not look very nice this weekend. (laughs) But uh, Problematic Women and our boss, Mrs. James, gave a really lovely speech of how you're exactly right, Virginia, that we need to no, this isn't a celebration. This is a a time to really think about what these people have have done for us and, and, you know, talk to your friends. If you have children, talk to your children and and really remember them.
1: Yeah. So I want to invite you all to join me. Um, I'm doing something practical and just setting an alarm on my phone for 3 p.m. on Monday just to take 10 or 15 minutes to pray for those families who have uh, lost loved ones serving our country so if you want to join me in doing that go ahead pull out your phone set an alarm a reminder that will go off on monday at 3 p.m and just pause to to remember those
0: men and women Uh,
1: but also we do hope that you have a fun and relaxing weekend all right lauren what do we have queued up on today's show
0: Up on today's Problematic Women, we are so excited to welcome the one and only Janice Dean to the show. Janice is a senior meteorologist at Fox News, a New York Times bestselling author, and the author of the new book, Make Your Own Sunshine, inspiring stories of people who find light in dark times. She joins us to share a bit of her personal story and to discuss why she began speaking out against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. We also discuss a Florida high school who photoshopped students' yearbook photos to make them more appropriate. And as always, we'll be crowning our Problematic Woman of the Week.
1: Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women. Those whose views and opinions are often excluded by
0: those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women... Please consider supporting us by leaving a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference.
1: All right, let's get to it.
0: I'm so excited for this segment today. We are joined by Fox News senior meteorologist Janice Dean. She is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Mostly Sunny, How I Learned to Keep Smiling Through the Rainiest Days. Now has a new book titled Make Your Own Sunshine, Inspiring Stories of People Who Find Light in Dark Times. Janice, thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me. So Virginia and I have been looking forward to this for a long time during the pandemic. We talked about you on this show. You are one of the boldest voices speaking out about the situation in the New York City nursing homes. You directly address Andrew Cuomo's order that sent the elderly back into those care facilities. Thousands of elderly New Yorkers, including, unfortunately, your own in-laws, lost their lives to COVID last year because they were infected inside these nursing homes. and. Through all of this, I mean, now a lot of people are pushing back against Cuomo, but you really were the first and at times the only voices. Where did you get the strength to take an unpopular
2: position and why was it important to really speak out? Because it affected my family and I wasn't seeing the coverage that I expected uh, on many of the news outlets. There were some that were covering his March 25th order that put COVID positive patients into nursing homes But not enough, in my opinion. And the governor was going around celebrating himself and and on CNN with his brother, uh, joking around while thousands of people were dying. Body bags literally piling up outside of nursing homes and storage facilities, storage trucks. And to see him celebrating himself and talking about what a great job he was doing on CBS, Good Morning, and ABC and NBC and CNN and MSNBC... It was soul-crushing because I was doing my own investigating uh, into the nursing home issue, which, by the way, we had no idea was happening. Uh, we lost both of my husband's parents in separate elder care facilities in the spring. And so not only were we were devastated, but we were you know, dumbfounded as to how this happened, why it happened, what the origins were of the March 25th order. And then seeing the report that he was actively covering up the numbers by not counting those that died in the hospital. He was the only governor of any state that you know counted deaths like that. So those that died in the hospital, like my mother-in-law who got COVID in their elder care facility, but unfortunately died in the hospital, those numbers weren't counted. And by not counting them, he was giving out false information. So at the very beginning, um, I didn't want to come out and tell our story. I am the meteorologist on Fox News. No one has ever known who I voted for. I'm not a political person at all. Um, But I felt it was important to tell our story because nobody else was.
1: Mm -hmm. No, that's so critical, Janice. And I'm so glad that you decided to speak out and tell your story. Because as you said, Governor Cuomo was intentionally covering up information we've now learned. And I keep waiting for Governor Cuomo to be held accountable for his actions of intentionally hiding that information from the public. But I haven't really seen that yet. Janice, is, is Governor Cuomo going to be held
2: accountable? It's a good question. And every time I get, you know, a glimmer of hope, Array of sunshine, like the attorney general report that came out in January from Letitia James, who is a Democrat, who was appointed basically uh, because of Andrew Cuomo. She released a 76-page document that did her own investigation into the nursing home cover-up and the fact that because he wasn't counting those that died in the hospital, it wasn't an accurate number. When that came out, I felt like, Wow, maybe, you know, maybe the powers that be are going to hold this person accountable. But since then, uh, you know, it still feels like an upward climb. He continues to be the governor of this state and go on television and pretend like nothing has happened. You know, not only has there been the nursing home tragedy and cover up, but there are many women that have come forward uh, because of his terrible treatment. Uh, So another. You know, uh, another part of this story is the Me Too movement against this governor. But he continues to open up New York City. It, we jokingly say that every time a piece of bad news comes out about Governor Cuomo, he decides to open up New York a little bit more. Um, so I hope so. There are three separate investigations into the nursing home tragedy there's a federal investigation, there's an FBI investigation. And there's the DOJ investigation that started under President Trump that I hope uh, our current president is still uh, continuing to look at. And I have to hope that it will be on the side of justice because um, our loved ones deserve that.
0: Well, as our listeners know, as my friends know, it's really anyone who's... Talk to me. in The past six months, <laughs> I am a huge fan of your friend Megan Kelly's new podcast. And I uh, in November I was moving into a new house, you know, loading unloading boxes had had the podcast on, and it was the episode that you were on uh, with Megan Kelly talking about the Me Too scandal and, and Janice. It was so just interesting and empowering. I literally just had to stop what I was doing and sat on my kitchen floor just to like listen. And I enjoyed it so much. And and, because your take on the Me Too movement was, it's so thoughtful. You know, the men that did terrible things to, to women, you look at them as humans and you... You want to get them for all of their faults and, and you know, they they deserve, you know, what what came to them. But also, you know, you you look at the good things in them and, and how they helped you. And I think that that helps you heal as a woman. So so looking at, at the Me Too movement and how, you know, it treated uh, Andrew Cuomo just so different than than folks on the right, like Kavanaugh. Like, how can we keep pushing for the Me Too movement and pushing for men to be held accountable when, you know, the left won't kind of hold up their side of the bargain?
2: It's very difficult. You know, what's good for one group seems to be not so good for the other group. It's quite interesting to me that those that supported, uh, you know, the Me Too accusations of Kavanaugh are dismissing the nine women that have come forward uh, with, you know, arguably more evidence uh, than those that uh, came against, um, you know, uh, Kavanaugh during that whole hearing. And so you're right. The hypocrisy is really quite incredible. I believe in due process, even in Governor Cuomo's case. I think that, you know, it's it's not black and white. It's quite gray when it comes to me, too. And harassment, sexual harassment, you know, back in the day when I was starting out, In broadcasting, it was quite commonplace to be treated like this, unfortunately. And I walked that line of kind of joking around and, um, you know, uh, being friendly to these high powerful men, but at the same time, letting them know that I wasn't going to go along with what they were suggesting or alluding to. So, you know, I think things have changed obviously. And, and, People have to react differently, and there are now many avenues that women can take to uh, complain or, you know, uh, let their workplace know what's going on in terms of, you know bosses or people around them that are harassing them. But I also do still believe in the in the due process. So even though, uh, I am, you know, very angry at this governor for my personal reasons with uh, the nursing home issue. And I believe he should be held accountable for that when it comes to the Me Too um, accusations. Although I do believe the women, I think that he does have to, you know, we do have to be on the side of innocent until proven guilty.
1: Yeah, I think that's such a healthy perspective to hold Um, That that's few people I think uh, have been able to walk that line really really well, and Janice, really thankful to see you doing that. Um, I do want to ask you a little bit uh, of your own story. You know, you now have this national platform as a meteorologist at Fox News, as a best-selling author, uh, and you know, so many people, I think, young women look up to you as such a leader. Did you, as, as a young child, did you, you know, dream about having a platform like you have now and you know, doing the things like, like writing books and being on TV and having such a voice to the masses?
2: Well, if you go back in my childhood, I grew up in Canada, my mom will tell you that even at an early age, I was going around and interviewing neighbors when I was when I was younger, as a kid, with like a pretend microphone. How are you today? What, what's the weather like? What are you doing with your time later on this weekend? You know, so I think that in many ways, I've always probably wanted uh, a career in broadcasting or entertaining or doing something to make people happy. Um You know, the position that I'm in right now politically is not comfortable at all for me. So I I look forward to the day that I go back to doing the weather and uh, reporting on the horse races and the Kentucky Derby and (laughs) and going to Punxsutawney for Groundhog Day. You know, I love doing that. I feel like I have the best job in the world. It's really um, what I've always wanted to do. So uh, I think the answer is yes. I think I probably always knew that I would be doing something in this in this broadcasting industry. But but the stuff that has to do with the governor um, is is very difficult. You know, it it really it gives me that knot in my stomach every time I, I go out and talk about it because it's it's not my wheelhouse. I'm not a political person at all. But I am somebody who um, has had something terrible happen to her family. And and because I have that platform, I'm grateful uh, that I can represent my family and the thousands of others that continue to, you know, want answers.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Well, one of the words I think I would use to describe you is perseverance. In 2005, you were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And, you know, from the outside, it really doesn't look like having MS has slowed you down,
2: but has it? It should sometimes, you know, um, <laughs> but I, you know, my husband's the one that kind of continues to remind me um, that when I'm tired and I need to take a break, I need to listen to my body. Uh, it's been a tough year because um, I, I worry about that. You know, having MS, is it's kind of a, a mystery illness. You know, I know that I have it, but it's one of those things that can strike when you least expect it, like the weather that I predict, you know, sometimes a thunderstorm can happen when you, when you least expect it. And that's kind of what's going on in my body is that, um, you know, my immune system is attacking itself. And although I am really grateful for the, for the therapy that I'm on and the doctors that take care of me, it's one of those illnesses that I could really literally wake up tomorrow and not be able to get out of bed or walk. So I guess even though I have to be more cognizant of, of that. I also am of the belief that every day I do get out of bed is a gift and I'm going to take advantage of that to its full possibility. Um, and, and hope that, you know, I still will have a, you know, a, a long career where I can continue to do the things I love. Um, but I'm not going to lie. There are certainly times where um, I do need to, you know, take a break and, and kind of um, be um, be in the moment and appreciate the fact that, I, that, you know, there are going to be some limitations to what I can do sometimes.
0: Yeah. Mm. Well, you are, I mean, even just in these few moments that we've spoken to you this morning, you are just such a positive person and it just kind of oozes out of you, but you are in an industry where, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. How do you kind of balance you, everything around you, this polarizing news cycle, and, you know, that desire to to stay positive?
2: It's very important, but you have to, you know, recognize that, that we are in um, a, a period of time where people are upset and angry And the news is polarizing and people want to, you know, pit us against each other. This has been a, a terrible year of loss and, you know, people kind of coming out of it now. And I think that hopefully going forward, we realize that we're all on this earth for a purpose. We're all connected and, you know, the thing that I try to remember is there is goodness around us. We just truly have to look for it. And even during the dark time that I had this past year with my family, it was these people, some of them strangers, you know, that would send messages or um, write uh, little notes. We were sent prayer cards from all over the country. There were churches that said that they were going to honor my husband's parents and their, and their services. Um, there was the local firefighter neighbor that dropped food off on our doorstep while we were going through such a difficult time. Those are the moments that I think I, I really, um, hold dear and try to remember the most, even though we're going such a difficult, going through a difficult time is more often than not people want to help. And, You know, the book that I wrote, Make Your Own Sunshine, is truly about that. These wonderful people going through some sort of challenge in their life and coming out on the other side, realizing that they want to be better human beings. And I think if we can appreciate that coming out of such a difficult time, how can we be better? How can we help others? Um, Because, you know, kindness can change the world. Mm.
1: Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Kindness can change the world. We could end the podcast yeah. right there, just on that. But Gina's truly like one of the things I I definitely admire most about you, and I think that the whole world admire admires most about you is uh just that ability that you have to to say, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna look for the good, I'm gonna choose to be positive here and your book titles so reflect that. Mostly Sunny, and then your new book, Make Your Own Sunshine. Where where does your optimism come from
2: in some ways I think you have to be born with it I think I've always <laughs> been sort of a mostly sunny type gal the glass is half full um, and maybe that comes from a faith in a higher power maybe that we're all destined to go down the path that we're on and you know knowing that knowing that kind of brings you this solid ground. You know, I, during my life, I've done so many amazing, incredible things. I look back on the fact that I packed my bags and, and gotten my Honda Civic and drove to New York City, believing in myself and believing in something that I wanted to do. Um, and so I think my whole life has been like that. And even the, the stumbling blocks or the tragedies that we go through, you know, coming out of the other side of that, you have to realize that, you know, that again, what, how are we going to make these days better? How are we going to bring something into our lives that, you know, encourages us every day and helps our families. Um, so it's okay to feel bad and sorry and angry, but then you also have to realize that that that's not um, healthy either. You know, it's not healthy to live in this downward spiral uh, of, of grief and anger Um, it's, it's important to, you know, look for the goodness. And, you know, one of the stories, the common threads through the book too, is people who open themselves up to kindness and look for that are more likely to see that. Um, and, but if we live in this cloud all the time of, you know, of storminess, you're never going to get out of that. Um, so I come out of this situation, hopeful, very hopeful um, that we're going to come out of it a better people, and um, and that these days that we spent in our homes with our families, those are important days. You know, I got to spend more time with my children than I have, you know, since they were born. The fact that I got to see them every day, uh, and be with them in the morning, and and you know, go through some challenges, but also be able to, like, go on our bikes and go around the neighborhood and feel closer than ever to them. You know, those are the things that I hope to remember most coming out of this year.
0: Yeah. Hmm. No, I I love that. I love that so much. Well, today we're having you on to talk about your new book, Make Your Own Sunshine, Inspiring Stories of People Who Find Light in Dark Times. So everyone, right now, you have my permission. Pause it. You can go buy it on Amazon to make sure to come right back. (laughs)
2: But why did you decide to write this book? I've been doing good news stories for many years of my career. Uh, at Fox, I do a good news story every day on Fox News radio. It's called The Dean's List, and it's a minute long story about someone who did something kind for another person or, uh, you know, someone that did something for someone else, and it it went viral on social media. So every day I try to, you know, highlight a person or a story that should be put out into the universe. And I always wanted to expand on those stories and kind of dig into some of my favorites, why a person did what they did, what the background and history is behind it, and how it might have um, acted as a, a domino effect to have others kind of do the same thing. So I started writing it before the pandemic and wrote most of it during the pandemic, um, conducting the interviews via Zoom and on phone phone calls, and I realized while I was doing them that the person that was going to get the most out of writing this book is me because <laughs> the these people brought so much light during a time of darkness in in my family, and I'm just so grateful that I was able to to write it and put it out there. And I have to I have to admit it's been a a little bit of a tough sell. Like I think what you said earlier on today is people want to read the the really nasty stuff, you know, the clickbait. And so it's been hard to sell a book about goodness and kindness. But everyone that does read this book, I will tell you, it's had sort of a quiet movement because they've passed it along or they've told someone else. And I've had wonderful reviews on some of the websites just talking about how even reading one story a day, one chapter a day really has given people hope. And sometimes it's only one message or one, you know, text from someone that is optimistic that can turn your day around. So that's what I sort of hope for this book to be is it doesn't matter how many books I sell. It matters that people are saying, I'm so glad you put it out there. Um, and, And, you know, that it is you know, it's all about goodness. There's nothing bad about the book at all, you know, and, and you will cry. There are stories of sadness, but again, it's sort of coming out on the other side after a storm, the sun always comes out. Um, so, so that I'm grateful for. Do you have a favorite story in the book or one that really speaks to you personally? It's a hard one because everyone is, you know, my favorite and I love talking to people who tell me what their favorite story is because every chapter is different. So that to me is just so wonderful. I guess one of the stories that I love the most because I feel sort of a a kinship with um the napkin notes, dad, uh, he, write He wrote, uh, notes to his daughter, Emma, every, every day when she was going to school, when she was little. And I do the same with my kids. I write them, uh, lunchbox jokes. I still do. So I write a little lunchbox joke that goes into their lunchbox so that every day when they're eating lunch, they can see a little note from me and they can read the joke. And sometimes they're like, oh, mom, that's a terrible joke. (laughs) Uh, But it's not about that. It's about me thinking about them and having me part of their day, even though I can't be with them. So um, the napkin notes, dad, he had, Garth had the same idea. Uh, And what happened was he was diagnosed with, um, He was diagnosed with cancer and he didn't think he was going to live. So he spent months writing uh, notes for his daughter, Emma, so that she would have one every single day, even though he might be gone. And she is in college now. uh, And Garth is still with us. Garth Callahan is still with us. uh, And the the notes that he wrote her are still in several shoeboxes that she's never had to open.
0: Mm, Oh, that's great. Precious. Well, Janice, before we let you go, there's one question that we love to ask all of our guests because they always have just the most interesting answers, and that is whether you consider yourself a feminist, yes or no.
2: It's a big question. Uh, Listen, uh, I don't think I am a feminist, but I do believe in supporting women and doing everything that I can in the position that I'm in to make sure that I am taking care of the women around me and making sure that, you know, the days are better ahead of us. I've certainly done it at Fox. You know, I, some people will say I'm a mother hen and I stay there as long as I do because I feel very responsible for the young women coming into this industry. I guess if that makes me a feminist, I am, but I do it out of the love of, you know, my fellow women uh, not because of a label. Mm, love that. So good.
1: Janice, thank you so much for your time. It has been an honor having you on Problematic Women today. Oh, thanks for having me. Now stay tuned because up next, Lauren and I talk about a high school that Photoshopped students' yearbook photos to make them more appropriate. But first, I want to tell you all about a great way to stay on top of the news and the policy debates that you actually care about. If you're anything like me, you probably spend a little bit too much time on YouTube every week, either maybe you're researching a topic or just looking for something entertaining to watch. So if that's you, then you need to subscribe to the Daily Signal YouTube channel. The channel offers quick policy explainer videos, documentaries, entertaining clips from podcast interviews, and much, much more. We have several brand new documentaries out about what is actually going on on America's southern border. You will learn a lot about what's actually happening down there from the people who are working hard to keep criminals and drug cartels out of the country. Go ahead and subscribe to the Daily Signal YouTube channel today so you stay informed and never
0: miss out on the news you care about. All right. Well, welcome back, Virginia. I have to tell you, the weirdest thing happened to me this week. I was just on social media, scrolling like normal, and I saw this New York Times article and I'm looking at it and I'm reading it. I'm like, wait a minute. This is my high school. <laughs> and like, we all know that like I'm, I have a three in front of my age. I High school was a long time ago, but it was kind of surreal to see, you know, a, a national write-up. So, you know, I clicked the link and- yeah. Lo and behold, when the yearbooks came out, 80 women or or girls had their image altered because their outfit was not up to the appropriate standards for whoever published the yearbook. And Virginia just got me thinking and really flooded memories back of high school what it's like to be a young girl and trying to figure out what your life is like and what you're going to wear and who you're going to be. And honestly, I think about my outfit choices back then, Virginia, I went everywhere from like... (laughs) I was about to go on a boat in, like, pastels to, like, gray skinny jeans with, like, nine miles of eyeliner in my eye. So, uh, you know, like, there's just so much going on. And, and while I understand where they're coming from and that that they want to make sure that women maintain a high image of themselves and women are respected and, and you know, there is something to we don't want to be sex objects for men. But on the flip side, I mean, this is a time in a young girl's life between 14 and 18 where she's finding out who she is and it's it's really disturbing to me that they would just without even talking to these women just Mm -hmm. photoshop them and and it's bringing me down a a path more and more and i'm almost surprised myself on how how and i i dare use the word liberal i am on this issue of (laughs) you know like let these girls without i mean don't let them wear just a bra in school like there has to be some sort of decency but uh, i think back when i went to bartram trail uh it's in jacksonville it is very hot, nine months out of the year. And I mean, you really have to wear shorts and a tank top. And uh, the dress code is is four inches above the knee. And the dress code is that the tank top has to cover the shoulder. We used to do the three finger test. But I mean, women come in all shapes and sizes. Some women have really long legs and that four inch pants is going to be really hard to find. And other women have you know, they're bustier chests and they, they, you know, it's harder for them to find shirts and stuff that cover. And so the fact that they just willy nilly are are doing this to women, I mean, that must be a so embarrassing for them. And B, we're not having the right conversations. This mm. is, this is a time where we should be, you know, having a safety net for women and giving them the time and the opportunities to find the edge without falling off. Because I think they're just going to go to college and they're, mm. you know,
1: Yeah. No, Lauren, I think it all does come down to that having the right conversations. We have to be talking about these things. uh, And, you know, I think uh, women should be encouraged to be modest and to dress in a way that honors themselves. But it does feel a little bit um, maybe the word is invasive or uh, rude (laughs) for the school to just sort of decide like okay we're just gonna photo like I would have been embarrassed if I was a high schooler and was like wait you photoshopped my picture because you felt like what I was wearing wasn't appropriate Uh, you know in my view the school could have said okay wait you need to change before we take the photo instead of all right well on the back end we're gonna fix all these and I mean the school obviously has a right to set a dress code I went to a high school that had a dress code you know, that worked out well. You had to wear polo shirts and khakis. <laughs> yeah, it was what it was. So, you know, schools have a right to make those decisions. But if, if you're going to let students have that freedom to pick out what they're going to wear and then you're going to take photos of them and not say that, you know, what they're wearing is inappropriate, it's, I think, a little strange and rude and maybe degrading to then go in on the back end and, and Photoshop and change those pictures.
0: And I think one interesting point that they brought up in the article is that the men's swim team had pictures of them in speedos.
2: Hmm. So why
0: why is it that men can be practically in their underwear while, while women can't? And I understand it's time and place. And I understand men and women are, are built differently and have different thoughts. And, and we really do need to walk with the men in our lives who, who struggle and make sure that we are not tempting them too much. But at the same time, men are going to be tempted no matter what i mean if if it, if a man likes women he's going to like women and the fact that they you know that they they only enforce this one way
1: yeah and you know i think that opens up such a larger cultural conversation uh you know about things that we consider acceptable or unacceptable based on time period and where we live and how we're raised and backgrounds and beliefs and you know I think so much uh, so much does come down to all right are, are we talking about it and ultimately like are we always aiming to like am I am I really honoring myself and mm-hmm. what I'm wearing because you you're so right like people are are always they're always gonna stumble like no matter what you wear uh, you can be a, a stumbling block for someone else no matter what but are you seeking to honor yourself and and to be respectful to other people
0: in what you're wearing well virginia great point i'll let that be the last word but still just really weird
1: really and so bizarre that it's your high school yeah like that's yeah, so crazy yeah, your high not, school's
0: in the new york times i guess it's a big high school but it's a little town in ja- like it's a suburb of a suburb of jacksonville so crazy holler duval you never know when your alma mater will
1: wind up in the big news <laughs>
0: Now, it is that time, once again, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our Problematic Woman of the Week. And the crown goes to
1: Texas State Representative Shelby Slauson.
0: Shelby Slauson, that's such a fun name to say. It really is. Shelby Slauson. Well... Representative Slauson was the House sponsor of a new Texas law that bans abortion after a heartbeat is detected in a baby. Other states have passed similar laws known as heartbeat bills. But what makes Texas's law so unique is that the state is not the one who has to enforce the law. It is enforced by American citizens. The bill allows anyone to sue a doctor in Texas who performs an abortion after a child's heartbeat is detected. The bill was signed into law by Texas Governor Greg Abbott last week. This piece
1: of legislation was personal to Representative Slauson. As she explained on the Texas House floor, Slauson told the story of her own mother, who was advised to abort her due to medical complications. Let's take a listen to Slauson's remarks to her colleagues a couple weeks ago per KVUE. The complications and those dire prognoses continued. The back-and-forth travel to the doctor continued... And that heartbeat continued. And then one Tuesday in May, that new mom greeted her newborn, this surprisingly normal baby. Of course, that normal baby was Representative Slauson. Representative Slauson, thank you for standing up for life and congratulations on being a very deserving Problematic Woman of the Week. Do I dare say Representative Slauson?
0: is awesome (laughs) oh dear wow (laughs) (laughs) but um, (laughs) i'm well with that very terrible joke that's going to be it for this week's edition of problematic women join
1: us next thursday morning for a brand new edition and in the meantime please
0: subscribe and share conservatives need your support in the podcast world and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you do get your podcast it really does make a difference
1: have a great week and we'll see you next thursday